Well, we didn't talk. That's pretty much. I don't know. Basically, I think we. I think we focused on the business, not ourselves. I think um, you know the business is the problem, whereas actually we needed to look at ourselves to then you know get you know to 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 be able to put the energy back into the business. If we haven't got any energy, then if we haven't got the that drive that we had before, then why not? How can we get that back? And I think probably in my mind, I thought, well, if the, if we can get the business back working, that will make it okay. You know, it's like the, the wrong way around, actually, on reflection. <laughs> um, but I didn't know this three years ago. So we actually got some um, business mentors in, Andrew and Russ, who we worked with, um, and were great, and they came with an agile mindset. I think the idea was nice, but I don't think – I think we went, we went for business strategy, like analysts and support, which definitely we needed, and we've learned loads, and we've got, got loads from that. Um, but even at that moment, those guys were asking us um, what you know a, a more basic version of what we've done with you guys is what do you want, and we will help you get there. And I think um, we weren't we weren't clear, and, and um, we weren't clear ourselves, and and we weren't clear with each other. Um, and I think that was where um, the real struggle came. We got it the wrong way around. We, we put the business first, and that wasn't the right thing. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. Will and Joel are friends from university who went into business together. They put all their enthusiasm and energy into it, and it grew. They worked hard, and they got their rewards. However, at some point, it stopped working so well. It went from simple to complex. It went from being exciting and rewarding to just feeling like a job. The spark had gone and they weren't sure why. They focused their attention on trying to make the business work well again, but had forgotten to also focus on their friendship. In this episode of the podcast, we hear about how improving the communication between founders is more important than trying to improve the business, particularly if before they were founders, they were friends. Will and Joel honestly share the story of their business and their relationship as co-founders. They value their friendship more than anything else, but in creating a false harmony, they were doing more harm than good. They've both been on a journey of learning not only about business, but also about themselves and each other. By discovering what each of them really wanted, they were able to be able to decide where the business needed to go and how it needed to grow. This isn't just a story of business growth, but also founder growth. Will and Joel, because of their friendship, 
found the courage to be truly vulnerable with each other and through that become stronger together. They re reignited their passion for the business by discovering what they needed personally and then exploring how the business could meet those needs. Enjoy. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is the Friday Fireside, uh, brought to you by the Happy Startup School. So for those of you who are new to this uh, this show, for want of a better term, I think we can call it a show now, Lawrence, is that right? Yeah. Yeah? Well, we can call it what we want. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's easier to call it a show. Um, it just gives it the right, well, gets the feel of the energy. It's a talk show. Or a radio show. Um, so this is our really our, our our intention with this is to to talk to people who are on this journey. What we consider of basically making a a happy business, being a happy entrepreneur, and that's really for us about being very intentional about the work you do. So a lot of the time in the world of work, it's about strategies and tactics and making things happen and growing and scaling. And what we believe gets forgotten is the the poor little human in the middle of it who started it and thinking, what have I got myself into? And maybe there's two of you and you're trying to work that out together. And that's going to be part of the story today. And and Will and Joel, they joined us uh, on a program that we started earlier this year, BC, before COVID. Uh, <laughs> it was a 2020 vision program. It was really to help uh, entrepreneurs who are feeling like they need to make more of an impact, but they don't want to burn out. Mm -hmm. So using sort of lots of the tools that we've used in our community about getting in touch with what's really important to you, but also using technology and startup ideas to launch ideas and become more effective and more impactful uh, with less effort. So that's uh, where we met these guys. Uh, but before we go into that, what I'd like to do is get them to introduce themselves and essentially what what the business is at the moment and what their roles are uh, and then we'll go into a bit more about what it means to run a business uh, as a pair of co-founders so i will pass on to will maybe you can start by um, telling us a bit more about what the company is sure um so yeah my name is will um the company we've got two companies um but they're kind of very heavily linked uh, we do uh, inventories, uh, start and end of tenancy inventories for the um, London's property market. Uh, and then we also do cleaning, maintenance and decorating for, for the same clients as well. Um, we've been going for about uh, 10 years now. Um, and Joel and I have been working together for the, for the whole of that time. Um, before I started the business, I'd worked in, in property in, in London for a long time in, in a variety of different roles. Some, property management, some um, sales, some investment sales, uh, various different things, really. And so, you know, I kind of had this idea um, of starting the inventory company. Um, and then after a couple of months, Joel came in and joined me as I'd known Joel for, I think he, we'd known each other even for about 15 years or 14 years by then already. So, you know, after that time, we had the conversation and, and Joel came on board. Nice. Uh, maybe Joel, you pick up the story there in terms of um, yeah those early days, and also a bit about your background and and you know what uh, Will just mentioned, knowing each other for fifteen years. Yeah, I know, I know. I can't, still can't get rid of him. Um, yeah, so I'm Joel. I'm the director. Um, I'm going to challenge Will on what he just said that we do because I, I think we uh, we uh, are really important in, in people moving into their new home, and that's that's the role we play, and we do a variety of services around that to make them have a happy start. 
Um, and in terms of joining Will, so before I, before, um, uh, I joined Will, I was working for Decathlon, a French sports retailer. I'd worked there for eight years in a variety of roles. Learned a lot, actually. They, they give you a lot of responsibility and you learn very quickly. Um, I've been working there in London for, yeah, as I say, eight years. And um, Will and I were in the pub, I think, surprisingly. And um, I think I've mentioned to him that I was thinking of moving or leaving or just wanting something new. Um, and I think he'd been six months doing it on his own, uh, running the business. And he just kind of said, well, I don't feel like I can do this on my own. I think I'd you know, want some support and help. And if you're up for it, do you want to give it a go? So that was pretty much it. I don't, well, we, we did do a little bit of more conversation around it, made sure that we were both going to be able to pay ourselves. But other than that, I think it was like, well, yeah, let's give it a go um, and let's see what we can do. So that's kind of, yeah, part of the journey, I suppose. And what about when you first met each other? When, when, when did you get to know each other first? <laughs> I can tell you exactly when I first met Will. Yeah. I, I thought this might come up. So, I found him outside the uh, student uh, union bar in our halls, and he was regularly known to be the first person. I think it opened at what time did it open, Will? You probably still remember. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. So Will was, on the dot. Will was there at least quarter to eight, first in the queue to get in. Uh, anyway, no, I knew, I knew I knew of him from that, and then yeah, we did meet in that bar. Um, I think I was more drunk that night. I think I'd had a bit to drink, and uh, we bonded over rugby and. But in particular, uh, Mike Cat, who was, uh, I don't know, some kind of weird hero of ours, a maverick. We, we're not mavericks, but we thought that was good. So, yeah, that's kind of... We, we thought we were then, when we were young and full. Yeah, we thought we were. We thought we were. But we soon realised we're not. So, yeah, so that's where we, where we met at Exeter University uh, in the first year. And then, yeah, and then from there, we've, yeah, been hanging out a lot. Awesome. Um, and I'll just add something to that as well. I think that this is an important thing, is that we... Joel really, really, he, he saved me really now. I, but the, I, and it, it's true because I, when you move to university, I think most people who are listening to this who've been to university would have had the same experience. You're kind of plonked into a, into a new environment where you don't know anybody and you've got to try and find your people, find, find people that you're going to get on with for the next, for the next three years. Um, and the people who, who were on my floor, who I, who I came into contact with, they were lovely people. Um, really nice but they weren't quite my type of people i think one of the things that their number one priority was their studies which you know had a couple of other priorities ahead of that um when i met joel and so did he um and yeah, my dad's watching this well by the way so uh, oh, right okay yeah. sorry mike we did also study very hard as well but um we um yeah i, I think it, it was one of those funny things you know that, that phrase fast friends where you know you you meet somebody and straight away, you know that you really like this person. You're gonna you're gonna get on great. Um, and so it was a real relief to me when Joel came up to me in the in the boot in the bar, um, and we just started talking about rugby. I think it was the first person I'd really spoken to about rugby in the time there, and it's a big passion for both of us and sports in general. And so suddenly it's like, right, there's somebody here who you know he likes a beer, he likes his sport. We can get on, and and it was just such a a relief really to feel like, right, I found somebody here who who is going to make my time at university really enjoyable so you know i think it was a we both of us re remember that that the, the meeting um really really clearly and we both have the same memories of it so it's quite a nice thing nice um this uh there's this kind of need for companionship at that early stage of starting this kind of weird strange new journey of leaving home and essentially at least the two years of like chilling out. 
yeah. this prospect of that. In, the, in three years' time, I've got to know what my shit is. <laughs> Get something sorted because I'm going to have to go to the wide, wide world. But, but it's interesting that finding you, the way you put it, finding your peoples in terms of, okay, people that I can actually get on with and I want to spend some time with. Um, I'm going to forward wind a bit now to this other journey that you started together. Um, and I just wanted to hear more about what that was like at the beginning because it, it felt, you know, it was not a formal kind of interview or business agreement and uh, unless I got I heard that wrong. And and how it how it all started in terms of what what were you doing? How did you get together and know what who's doing what? So, Bill, do you want to kick off with what you did for the first six months, or how you felt around that, and, and then yeah, I saved, um, I saved you again essentially. So yeah, might, this might be a theme. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so I I, I was working at um, at Foxton's. For people who don't know who that is, it's you know big estate agent in in London. Um, and so I come into contract with with inventory companies. I was booking them every day, and I just didn't think they were very good. Um, and I felt that they were missing a trick in terms of their service. That they they were they wouldn't work weekends. They wouldn't work early mornings, and it was just inconvenient. So I felt I really felt like there was something there that could be done about that. And it took me a bit of a while. I took, had two other jobs after that before I actually took the plunge and decided to to open up a business and, and do it. And so I did, and um, because I've got some some connections, I picked up a couple of uh, clients, um, and it was going okay. But I wasn't really enjoying it, and I, I felt that um, I needed some help. I think, um, particularly with the nuts and bolts of doing the inventories and speaking to clients and all those things. I, I was fine with that. It was more around the, the processes and making it into an actual business that I was really struggling with, with accounts and, and things like that, which isn't my forte. Um, and so like Joel said, we, we were in, we were in the pub one night and um, we were just discussing it that, you know, he was asking how's the business going and saying, and then he was saying he, you know, been at the castle a long time and he was looking for a, a new role. And so I just said, well, why don't we think about working together? Um, and then I think it was a couple of days later Joel called me and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. Shall we, um, shall we have a chat? So then we met up and we had a proper chat about it where we just discussed, because Joel didn't really know a lot about what the company was or what the, the industry was. And then he came and did a, a day or a couple of days of shadowing me to find out a bit more about what, what it was. Um, and then we kind of got into, well, shall we, shall we do it? And we, we decided we would. Um, and, we went into it on the basis, and I think this is important for what comes later, that the friendship was the most important thing. And if after six months or even 12 months or 18 months, it wasn't working for either one of us, we had to say that um, to the other person. And then it was like, right, well, we, we cut our losses and we move away and the, and the friendship's still there. So that was kind of my, those are my recollections of the kind of ver the very the very early days. Um, and then Joel came in and sorted it all out again. I suppose it's probably the... no, exactly. I think I think when Will asked me when we went to discuss, I think my initial reaction internally was no, um, because we were friends. Um, I think um, yeah, my, my my dad had had the experience when I remember I was a kid where he'd worked with a friend and it hadn't worked out, and for, 
you know, when you remember something from your past that's quite kind of, you know, in, in, in you know, it's always there, it's integral, it's just a moment. And I think I kind of carried that a bit. And I think other people probably they will always say, don't work with your friends or, or along that line or don't risk your friendship for it. So I think my kind of, it wasn't a no, but it was my, my initial reaction wasn't to run towards this offer from Will and, you know, grab it. But after a couple of days, I think probably talking to Claire um, and the threat, you know, discussing it, I thought, yeah, let, let's at least, you know, give it, you know, some some thought and discussion, which is what we did. And actually, I think the agreement, Will, was, I think it was very, I think I'd probably push for it, but it was like 12 months. And in 12 months' time, we can walk away with no discussion about why without having to go into the why. So, the, 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 you know, maybe that is naive. Maybe there would have had to have been a why, but it felt like that we'll do it for 12 months. And if either of us feel that there's a problem or an issue that's not working, we can walk away without having to explain ourselves so that we can try and maintain the friendship. And I think we flew past 12 months without even looking at it. Um, <laughs> again, I think it, you know, yeah, if, if we were, we both, our needs are being met, right? Which is what you're going to get onto kind of later about where we struggled. And we both, you know, were. Uh, going with the flow carefully we're getting paid enough money and managing our own time and you know all, all the things that come with working for yourself um and it was great it was, it was really good and we just like right, let's go and be the biggest and the best make it very simple and there was not much strategy but there was a lot of energy and passion and, and determination and that's what we both were enjoying and i think that's where we, we kind of worked so well together because it was just like right forwards is the way and that's it nice um interesting the forwards in the way and i'd like to maybe dive into that a bit more but I couldn't help but also Laura's thinking about reflecting on how we started and how that how that landed for you hearing about their first start no their first decision to work together. Yeah, um, I, I think back to I, I'm actually it's one of those things you try and rewind like 15 years. <laughs> I can't remember anything that happened 15 days ago, but my memory is I definitely think we were more on the cautious side in terms of trying. Like, I think, well, not that you guys haven't been friends for long, but we've been friends for even longer, I think, since we were, like, uh, in primary school. So I guess, like you guys, that, that's definitely a, a worry that we had there was this thing of you shouldn't go into business with friends or family in this kind of voices in your head that it's a bad thing and you've got so much to lose. So I seem to remember we, we didn't really start a business together at the beginning. We just tried out some projects together. We worked on... A few we didn't call them audition projects but looking back that's what they were i think to get a feel of how does it work how does the money work do we enjoy doing it is this is there something here i don't even know if we thought of it as a potential business it just felt right to start collaborating yeah that's my my recollection of it all there was that um soft uh, slowly slowly approach it's like okay i can do this bit you can do that bit we can make a bit of money here why don't we just do some work together and it was only, I think, at least two years before we fully committed to each other. <laughs> before we got the keys. It, it, um, to our happy new home. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then that took it to another level. And there's a, so a bit more of also around the context of where we were and, and moving down to Brighton uh, and, and actually landing our first client together rather than um i think the beginning was very much lawrence on his own he had some clients he needed he needed some help <laughs> i would come along and help him with the stuff that he couldn't do and then at one point we thought okay let's let's go and pitch a client together rather than it being just uh, lawrence finding someone and needing some help and then i think that for me and i remember very clearly the wedding planner website that we first did and and landing that first client after a conversation uh, on the seafront going wow it's the first client 
it feels amazing, right? I think that that that's mm-hmm. the thing is that the the successes that you have, however little they are, sharing them with such a close friend mm-hmm. feels amazing. Um, you know, I think, and there's definitely I've just heard, hearing what you're saying there that you're probably the same as us. That the, the the reticence in doing it, there's a risk factor there, right? That you, like I think you said, Lawrence, there's, there's so much to lose when you know really good friends don't come along that often. Um, so you've got a lot to lose there. And so I think that's the reticence that, that, that people probably have about going into business with, with their friends, and rightly so. I mean, there are lots of um, stories of, of it not working out. Um, but, you know, that, that feeling that you get of, of being able to share those um, those successes, some little, some big, is, is an amazing feeling. So it's interesting to hear you kind of saying very similar things to, to how I felt about about the business as well. I think yeah. it's the trust as well. Like you don't have to work that you've got it right when you're working with someone new or you're not sure. You know you you're building up trust over time and you're you're feeling each other out. You know when you when you've got someone you trust implicitly already, you can move forward much more quickly. I think I think that's really important. Like I know that that's happening over there without you know having to discuss it or you know, we just kind of got on with it. And I think yeah, that trust element for me, where I just know that Will's doing his damnedest as well. Then then you know it's really important. Hmm. I like that you touched on that because I think maybe it's a time to uh, kind of introduce this question from Liliana. And she asks, did you write down the agreement and sign it? No. What did it look like to try and protect your friendship while adding clarity? No, um, we probably should have done, um, but we didn't. Um, you know, I think we've, we have always worked on that trust. I think, I think that, that was it. We, we've worked on that trust and we, that has come through over the last 10 years that we can trust each other implicitly. Um, but we didn't write anything down. We, we, the only real agreement we had was the one that Joel said, which after 12 months we can, we can walk away. Um, but no, we, we didn't, maybe we should have done. Eventually we got like a very basic shareholders agreement, but that was, a, that was just around, I mean, yeah, it's like almost one or two pages done by a friend who, who could do it for us. But yeah, again, probably a bit naive, but also just getting on with it, right? You just kind of like there, there, more, there seem to be more important things to do to make the business work. Which was, yeah, there were probably lots of other very important things. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt like well, that, that you said that almost verbal agreement to to basically put the friendship before anything else was at the heart of it, even if it wasn't in, on paper or in legal form. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't even think we had a. I, I seem to remember someone told us we needed to get share. Oh, we went once we set up as a partnership agreement first. Partnership agreement, shareholder agreement. <laughs> Saying you're going to have a partnership agreement. <laughs> Basically, don't talk to a lawyer if you want to build a business with your friend because they'll scare you with stories of when it went yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's in their interest to make it, to paint the dark picture of what might happen. <laughs> and I think from my perspective, like even just that partnership agreement, it didn't mean anything. No. Other than it was something that we should be doing. Uh, and that's where I, I kind of, on one hand, it's prudent, you know, from a legal point of view. And, uh, you know, we have to have a disclaimer here. Anything we say is not advice of any kind of description. But my personal opinion is that sometimes there are these forms that you fill without thinking about what they mean because they're things that you should do. And actually, what would probably be more important is actually thinking about what you are trying to do, less about the legalese, but what is it does this mean for you and, and the person you're working with and, and come to that agreement and that 
so what does it a bit like what you've done in you i think both of you did intuitively in terms of right 12 months this isn't working for us mm -hmm. that's the agreement you know and no man of paper is actually going to change that because it's all about both of your uh, sort of needs and opinions what what i say we should have done that we, that we didn't do is we should have defined our roles earlier i think that that's probably in terms of what we were responsible for for in the business um that that probably would have been helpful doing that a bit earlier than than we did so if anybody's listening and thinking about it i think you know if you if you do have a um uh, a co-founder that, that you're working with i think being clear about um who's responsible for what because the, the natural reaction certainly with me and joel and it, it to be fair, fair it, it was successful so i can't, I can't run it down too much but um the the natural reaction is to everybody to for all of you to do a bit of bit of everything um you know because you feel like you're helping you know your you know your friends and it feels like you're 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 all you're getting involved in everything which is exciting and but having those roles defined i think it w w would be useful if i was going back and starting again i probably would probably would do that i think all of this is is really hard right because you're talking about starting a business we're just two people out doing inventories every day it's like well shareholders agreement for what like there is no business to have a shareholders agreement about it's just at the moment and then as will said yeah we can define our roles but at that very early stage we're the ones going out doing the work and, and kind of the other bits around it you're just kind of you know trying to do it so there isn't there isn't much to base it on so i think probably reflecting after a year or two and then maybe agreeing that in, look, when we get to a certain stage then we do need to do these things and then we need to look at these things then we need to discuss it you know however that is or every year we're going to talk about these things that that's a good way maybe of planning it because early on you just don't know what you know you're doing it for the sake of it when there's nothing there to do it for um there's the two ways we can go with this actually i think firstly because i know lawrence you got a book that talks explicitly to that uh, do you want to share what that book is Oh well, actually, the book I was going to mention was Emith, uh, Emith Revisited, which is a classic business book, which I think we read just about when we set up our first office, which was linked to roles. I think in terms of, you know, if you look at the org chart of your organisation, even if it's just one of you, <laughs> even two of you, just seeing what are the different departments and who's doing what, um, I found that really helpful to think about those roles and also at what point do you want to let go of some of those roles, you know, i.e., you're not doing what you're good at. Um, but I think the other book you might have mentioned is uh, Rocket Fuel. Hmm. Is that the one? Yeah. So Rocket Fuel is a book um, written by some coaches, executive coaches in, in the US who've worked a lot with um, startup and company founders and, and looked at what makes up a, a good founding team. And they looked at the roles and the sort of skills and I guess the needs and the abilities of people. And, and often it's a two, three person team. And just looking at the different roles and, and basically where we naturally sit. And I found it really helpful to see you know, they talk about visionaries and they talk about, um, I think, uh, I can't remember the other one. What was it? Uh, no, anyway, it's a kind of operations type person. But they just talk about this spectrum. And it's well worth a read, I think, if you founded a company with someone just to see where you naturally sit best. And to also hear the things that people say about you, good and bad, is quite powerful on paper. I think, I think we naturally fell into roles. Sorry, Carl, just naturally fell into roles, which was good to start with, and it kind of went into our strengths. Um, but I could think I would then, you know, people say, oh, how's it working with your friend? Oh, that's good because we, you know, Will has this and we complement each other. But I think actually we actually just got into that routine and didn't really challenge each other or, or 
or really talk about it because we felt that we found our natural rhythm and i think that that might have been a problem as well is actually mm-hmm. uh look joel's found his natural rhythm, but does he even enjoy doing what he's doing you know just because he's good at it so i think maybe that that eventually became a problem as well so the two two roles of visionaries and integrators and i wanted to m- mention that because it very much kind of parallels the initial story of someone having a vision to make something happen and then someone coming in to integrate some processes and ways of doing it to to make it more effective or efficient or less chaotic maybe um at that point of the story you talked about then moving forward you know there's this energy there's this excitement we're just going to move forward what what was that in terms of when you're saying moving forward what did that mean that's a good question. Um, I think for, for me, it was always just biggest and best. It was, you know, get more clients, get more revenue, get more profit, um, more more employees. You know, it was always something that, that, that I looked at um, without, I suppose, really thinking about what the purpose of all, all that was. Um, it just felt good to be to be growing and, and getting a bigger and bigger and more, more successful business. Um, and I think that the business grew really well in the first five years. I'd say we 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 started off with 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 I think two clients who were who were um, reasonably sized agents in 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 London. Then we picked up Foxtons, who was obviously the biggest agent. Um, and over the course of that kind of first five years, we grew really quickly without really having to do much sales. Um, so I think you know a lot of the work that Joel did enabled us to to grow with without doing without doing sales around around the things about the capacity making sure we've got enough people at the in the right times of year the seasonality uh interviewing processes when we're bringing people in training people all, all that type of stuff meant, meant that we were able to maximize the um amount of business that we were getting from the from these big clients we were able to take a bigger share of, of what they were they were farming out um i'll give a good example of this actually that when i started the business and when it was the first six months if somebody rang me and said can you do an inventory on the 31st of november i just say yeah fine no problem um send me an email and then i'd get home that that night and suddenly i'd find i've got nine inventories to do on the 31st of, of, of um, November, whatever it was. So I didn't really, I didn't have any system for, for controlling that. And so I just have to go and do nine inventories somehow by hook or by crook, just tr- which you can only really do four, maybe five. Um, so, you know, Joel came in and immediately kind of put in some, some processes to, to, I mean, it sounds so stupid that, that I was doing that, but he came in and put those, these processes in place that meant that we weren't, that we weren't doing, things like that we were managing our, our time better we were managing our clients expectations better um and it was all those things that kind of over those first five or six years we you know we really grew pretty quickly um it was exciting i loved it mm. how about you joel what was that period of yeah i think for me i enjoyed problem solving and putting these things in place you know and using things that i'd learned and particularly in, in the cafe where i spent eight years but i'd learned a lot there um, and I think that that was that was the enjoyable thing for me. And because we were growing and expanding, and things were happening, we were constantly having to adapt and change, and, and and you know react rather than plan too much. If we're honest, you know you're reacting to what's going on. So for me, that was that was you know the exciting bit about going forward and moving forward, where there were 
you know, these things uh, to tackle and challenges to, that we were facing that um, yeah, we would we would find solutions for and procedures and you know all that kind of stuff. So that that was the exciting thing for me. Um, although of course, you know, seeing the business grow and seeing the end result and the financial um, results was really exciting as well. And it made you it made, validated you right. You know, we're working hard. We're putting this in. We're trying that. Oh, the money's coming as well. Everything's good. Everything feels great. So those first years were you know really good. Like a you know, a roller coaster. Roller coaster, but it doesn't come down. It just kind of keeps going up and up and up and up. So it's great. Another significant factor as well is we didn't have we didn't have kids then either. And as you know, everybody knows, life changes when when you, when you get kids. Your priorities change. Your your outlook on things things change. You probably perhaps when they're young and they're not sleeping very well, you, you don't have as much energy. So those first years before the kids came along, um, I think there was you know a ton of energy from from both of us um, to you know really make this thing thing work and um yeah and then you know obviously the kids kids come along and and, and you change your perspectives a little bit mm. did you did you guys um did you guys start before before you had kids or after kids we no we were definitely um actually we started the business gosh because formerly with 2008 we were um the spook studio the company but we were working together since like 2000 and well unofficially 2004 2006 i think we were really kicking into a partnership so we were a good couple of years before kids came on the radar but um it's quite interesting even when you mentioned that my daughter was born the year we started the happy startup school and i can remember um my wife saying what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) blame lawrence (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. yeah <laughs> um yeah no the, the, like you said there is a bit of a shift um i'm so one you know in terms of that story that be pre-kids there was this i, I kind of got the feeling of like you're riding the wave of success it was like we do this it works we do something more, it's even working more and it's just like this growing exciting expansive space like wow this is great uh and i heard is like there's lots of energy uh lots of capacity to put more energy in and it felt like yeah you you were you were getting getting lots of positive feedback by the stuff that you were doing and that felt successful yeah it felt it didn't feel easy it felt like if you put in hard work you got results which as we all know if i put if i like to be validated by the hard work i do I see that and I'm learning that that's not a way to validate myself. Um, but so I think that was it. We were putting in really hard work and, and it didn't feel easy, but you felt like, yes, this is you know, doing really well. Mm. You were getting a reward for the effort. Mm. Yeah. And so th- that's interesting. Was there a point then where the reward didn't seem worth the effort at some point? <laughs> or you felt like you're putting a bit too more energy than you'd want to? Was there a tipping point? Let's put it that way. Was the, real point, the real point of this conversation now is that right? Um, I think from from from, from my point of view, um, I think Will will have his, his views on this. But as we as we grew, we got bigger. You had to put procedures in place, and things became much less agile and, and exciting, and became quite heavy to change to change things. And Will and I obviously had to put levels of staff in below us as well, so we kind of moved away from the, the day-to-day running and, and the kind of energy of that, and even away from the clients to a certain extent. So I think that I wouldn't say that's necessarily a tipping point, but on reflection, that that was maybe the start of when it 
didn't feel so so easy or so exciting um, for me. Um, and you know, we, we were trying to do things or change things. It took a long time, or the impact wasn't so quick. And we, I think we started defending what we had, like looking after what we had in terms of business, rather than you know, being exciting and moving forward in any way. We were just kind of right trying to take stock. And I think um, that's maybe where we lost a bit of energy and a bit of connection, um, just just when things became a bit tricky. And then, as with all businesses, you know, you go out on the S curve and and, and uh, the the results weren't so good. And once the results weren't so good, but also the connection wasn't so good because of uh, the business being a bit heavier and a bit less agile. Then, yeah, I think that was for me when, um, yeah, it started to become more of a challenge. Um, yeah, and I, I had less en energy for it, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't pinpoint that at the time. I certainly didn't go. You know, I can see what's happening. I can see it's just a slow. Like actually looking back now, I had. I feel like I had a bit less energy there and a bit less. Um, drive because i think yeah it wasn't going so well so and, and things i was trying weren't working out so suddenly you know there's a failure there i suppose right yeah, there's a, a feeling of failure and, and i'm not doing a good job etc so maybe that's when it kind of started for me i couldn't pinpoint when that was probably four years ago four or five years ago probably when it started like that i don't know what will's reflections are on that the same really it's definitely a gradual thing i think that, that as the business grows it get it it becomes more process heavy and and um it's kind of like that thing of like when when the business is small you press a button and then something happens and you can predict that if you press that button that thing's going to happen but as it gets bigger you press that button then something else happens and it's like suddenly you got to press five buttons and get them in the right order for the thing do you know what i mean it gets more complicated to be able to to run the business and and for for for, for the actions you take to have the impacts that you want them to have. So, so that, that then be, becomes for me who I'm, I'm not a detail person. Um, I'm, I'm, I like things to be as simple as they possibly can be. And the bigger a business gets, the more complicated it gets. So I think from, from my perspective where it started to get less enjoyable for me is it, I stopped being an entre entrepreneur and I started having a job. Um, it felt like I was going in five days a week to my job. Um, and my job was a lot of admin, um, a lot of checking things, you know, a lot of kind of operational stuff, which I don't, I don't really enjoy. And when I don't enjoy them, I don't do them properly, which I'm sure was big frustration for Joel, um, and maybe other people in the company as well. Um, so I think that, that was, like I said, over a course of, of a long time that happens. Um, when we first met, Carlos, you, met, you gave a great metaphor of the monster in the corner or something like that. Can you remember it? Eating the beast in the corner. Yeah, that's it. So, so just just tell us that again, because it, it's kind of relevant to how I think it's starting to feel. Well, this is a bit kind of like the crossroads for us, Lawrence, wasn't it? It's like there was a point where running an agency, which is people intensive, you know, you only it's to scale the business means scaling the people. Um, it meant our roles needed to change and, and the, the focus of our attention needed to change. And the, the way I would describe my experience of it, it, it goes from the focus being the work and the creativity to the focus being that beast in the corner that you always have to keep feeding because it needs more food in order to stay alive. And that beast are the rents that your staff have to pay, the office building that you're in, the all the different costs that just to keep yourself above water and that's 
And yeah, and yeah, to have that beast always on the corner every time you're like sat there trying to do creative work, it just it drained myself in terms of energy. And, and, and what what does the beast do when you feed it more? Of course, it grows. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was that the, the, the more it grows, the more it poos, and the more you've got to shovel up the poo. <laughs> you remember my metaphors better than I do. <laughs> that's how I remembered it, and it struck a chord with me because that's kind of how 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 it felt. The, the bigger it get, the harder it got. Um, and, um, yeah, it just felt like it, it wasn't playing to my strengths um, and just spending a lot of time, the, the, the majority of my time, doing things that, that I wasn't really enjoying so much. And Joel's absolutely right that when the business is performing well, you suck that up. But when the business doesn't perform so well, and we, we I think we, we had a, a period where we, we started not doing so well for a variety of reasons, and we grew too quickly. So we took on staff who weren't good enough, or even if they were good enough, perhaps we didn't train them well enough. Um, but certainly the service that we we're giving to our clients dropped, which, you know, there's a delayed lag on that, and it means over the course of time you start losing business. Then there were some, you know, macro factors as well that, you know, um, the Brexit vote didn't help things. And um, so there were certain things where, where the business started coming down. And also, you remember I said in the first five years, we didn't really have to do any sales. It got to a point where if we want, wanted to get any bigger, we did have to do sales. And we weren't being particularly successful in that. So we weren't we were struggling to, to bring on um, new clients and, and onboard them and, and, and make them into the kind of the size of clients that, we, that we'd had before. And then we also did this thing where we, we started up um, a decorating department, which, you know, we, we ran that for three years and, and it didn't do well at all. Um, probably cost us quite a bit of money if we, if we look back on it. And I, I personally took that as a real, um, a real failure. I felt it really weighed heavy on, on me personally. It was the first time we'd done anything that hadn't succeeded. Um, so I found that quite difficult to, to deal with emotionally so I think there was there was quite a lot of factors um, about it that that just started to make the whole fit thing feel like more effort than it was worth. Hmm. So where I see the journey going now, it, it's getting to this point where it's harder to predict how to grow, or you know you don't know which button to push anymore. There's no simple push this button and it will work. And then what that meant in terms of how it felt before there was this real clear validation that you push that button, you get a buzz, you push it again, you get another buzz. And then at some point you start pushing the button and that buzz didn't get back anymore. And it became a much more complicated, or I would say even a complex situation because it was hard to predict. And and like Joel was saying at the beginning, it's like, we work hard, we get rewarded. It then got to a point where we're working hard and we're, we're not getting rewarded anymore or not as much as I'd like. And then trying to work out what's the solution, how do we do this, you know, start a little new business or push harder here or or try a bit more agile, be a bit more agile and not being clear about what is going to be successful. That's kind of comp a complex situation because you can't necessarily know what's going to work. And in times like that, when it's hard to know and it's quite scary and it's uncertain and, and, and like I'm hearing is like, then you start blaming yourself for some of the things that don't work. It feels like the most important thing is to stay at least connected and clear about what each other 
is going through so that you can at least communicate about what could be the next steps. And so maybe is the talking a bit more about what how that was affecting your relationship as friends and co-founders. Well, we didn't talk. That's pretty much, I don't know, basically, I think we, I think we focused on the business, not ourselves. I think, um, you know, the business is the problem, whereas actually we needed to look at ourselves to then, you know, get, you know, to, to, to be able to put the energy back into the business. If we haven't got any energy, then if we haven't got the, that drive that we had before, then why not? How can we get that back? And I think probably in my mind, I thought, well, if, the, if we can get the business back working, that will make it okay. You know, it's like the, the wrong way around, actually, on reflection. <laughs> um, but I didn't know this three years ago. So I think, um, yeah, we didn't, we weren't communicating. We were, there was, I think, Will, Will can talk more about this, maybe false harmony. Um, not, not, and again, let, let's be clear, just, you know, actually three or four, year, three, four years ago, we had our best year financially. So the business wasn't in dire straits or anything. We were still working well. We were still turning up, but we we're probably bringing 80% of our energy, not 100%, and that was the difference. It was still going well, and we still made some progress. I don't want to make it sound like a doomsday situation here where we were on the edge or anything, but we actually got some um, business mentors in, Andrew and Russ, who we worked with, um, and were great, and they came with an agile mindset. I, I remember specifically, I was, when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, that on the very first day, it was about making that orbit diagram, and one of the things was, what do you want individually? Um, and I put down to kind of you know five years time to step slightly away from the business. I knew that much. I didn't quite know why. I hadn't delved into why. Maybe working two days a week, and then right. Well, if that's part of the orbit diagram, then what are the things that need to happen? And they were helping us with that. But I think at that point, Will said similar to me in terms of that. That was what he wanted. But I think that was the first real thing where there was real false harmony there. Because I don't actually think Will wanted that. I think the idea was nice, but I don't think that Will can correct me if I'm wrong in a moment. But um, I think we went we went for business strategy, like analysts and support, which definitely we needed, and we've learned loads, and we've got we've got loads from that. Um, but even at that moment, those guys were asking us um, what you know a, a more basic version of what we've done with you guys is what do you want, and we will help you get there. And I think um, we weren't we weren't clear, and, and um, we weren't clear ourselves, and and we weren't clear with each other. Um, and I think that was where um, the real struggle came. We got it the wrong way around. We, we put the business first, and that wasn't the right thing yeah definitely um yeah you're absolutely right i think the you, you think first thing you said there is, is is so true is that we were talking to each other all day every day we sat, sat next to each other at work or opposite each other and we'd talk all day and um, we'd have long meetings about you know whatever issues we got whether the finance team or you know the operations team or how or this we've had this complaint or what we're going to do about it and so operationally we were talking about stuff all day every day um, so the communication on, on that side of things, we, we were still working really hard together and we were still quite tight as a team to try and solve the problems that were coming up on a daily basis. We were still collaborating there, trusting each other and working well to try and get through that. But this is this, this thing of false harmony, which is, I think, the, the biggest point to come out of this is that you know, false harmony is where you think a situation is harmonious because you're not shouting at each other. So you think if you can avoid shouting at each other and saying, you always do this, you always do that, why haven't you done that? And you think, right, we're harmonious. But it's a false harmony because you're not actually expressing to the other person 
um, any concerns that you've got that might be might be valid. You know, it's not about moaning. It's not about arguing, but it's about communicating in in a clear way, which allows you to both understand where where you're going towards towards that common goal, which we. You know, I think what well, I said this in a meeting we had before that that Joel and I are both cooperative people. I think um, we both enjoy collaborating with with others, and we're quite empathetic towards what other people want. And so I think we we kind of got into this situation where for for ten years we were building this business, trying to be. Um, mindful of what the other person wanted and build a business that worked for both of us. And what we ended up with was a business that worked for neither of us. And I think that that's the key point to, to all of this is that through, through that false harmony or through that thing that you're going, you, you're, you think you're doing the right thing. You know, you, and, and it's because you tell yourself this narrative of this, what, this is what Joel wants and you haven't even asked him, you know, so you think, well, this is what Joel wants. So we're going to do this. Um, and then, you know, you end up with something, it's like, well, it's, you know, it doesn't work. It's not what I want. It's not what Joel's want. It's, it's a weird thing in the middle that doesn't suit either of us. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where, where we got to, because Joel rightly said we, we just never spoke about that. I think we both felt it for a while, I reckon, at least a couple of years, maybe even more. Um, Joel, when did we start with, the, with, with Russell Andrew when we did that orbit diagram? That's got to be three years ago, is it? Okay, yeah, maybe two, two and a half, something like that. Definitely. So it was there then, for sure. So it might have been there before that. Um, of this feeling that we should have had a conversation, a, a cards on the table a conversation. We should have had that, and we, and we would have been able to move on, but we didn't. Um, so, you know, your, your question about the communication is the, the, the answer is, like Joel said, we, we, we just didn't, not properly anyway. Just on that, I think that if we'd had that conversation then, we would have done it wrong. Because I think it would have been about what each other weren't doing or were doing. Yeah. Was making was actually you know, what we needed to talk about is how we were feeling, and and that was that was actually the thing that eventually we did get to three years later, um, talking about feelings. But I think it, the reason we didn't have them was because we wouldn't. You know, it was too challenging a situation, and also it, we hadn't even started to look deeper as into what is this really meaning here. Rather, than, at that, that point for me, it's probably like, well, Will's not done that, or he's not put enough energy in here, or I'm picking up that, and and, and Will, you know. That, that probably would have been what it would have been about, an operational, structural business conversation still, which might, you know, again, it would have been the wrong way to go about it. But maybe we would have got through that, you know, eventually. There's a story around business where it's this kind of complex machine that you just need to build in the right way and, and, and fix bits in the right way and, and it'll work. Um, and I think from my perspective is just missing out and this is something i've learned from the people that we've met along the journey of the happy startup school who else um the the people in there and the human aspect of this and yeah we will get joel to cry in a bit eleanor <laughs> she just posted a message waiting for the tears. um and and there's so the, the the first thing is like while both of you are highly competent and probably change you know make things work there was something that was stopping you and you talked about communication uh, and you mentioned that you could have had these conversations earlier, but maybe you had them in the wrong way. Is that what was stopping it? it was, and it feels like there was a fear of something there. Yeah, definitely. For, from, from my perspective, there's a definite fear of losing Joel as a friend. If I had that conversation, definitely. Um, you know, because 
I thought the only way to be able to have the conversation, like Joel has just said, would be you keep doing this. And, you know, why are you doing that? Were you doing this all the time? Like in an accusatory or judgmental way, that was the only way. That's how I've lived my whole life. You know, I, I don't I either keep things in or when they do eventually come out, it's in, it's in this accusatory or judgmental kind of way. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, it hasn't been very successful. But um, uh, fortunately, um, Joel was able to eventually tackle that conversation in such a way that it wasn't like that at all. So we were able to, I'll, I'll ask Joel to talk through what he did in a minute, but we were able to kind of navigate through the hardest bit and then start looking about how, how we how we can move forward. So Joel, you want to just take that up on, on kind of what how you introduced it? Yeah, I think that, again, I don't quite know how I got there. I mean, there are, there are a few other things smaller things in between but something had happened i can't remember what it was I came home a bit pissed off and i, and I, and I said to claire my wife i need to speak to about this tomorrow and um we talked it through um and it, it was blatantly obvious that that wasn't the issue the thing that had happened was not the issue i was feeling so i didn't necessarily know what the issue was at that point i didn't know this false harmony the story we've got now is very nice on reflection etc but I definitely didn't have all of that piece together in my head, but I just knew that I was feeling um, certain things. And at that point, I think um, with when when we were hitting challenges, my my reaction over the last probably two years has been to walk towards every problem in the business and try and sort it out myself and give more of me, more of my time, more of my energy um, to resolve it. Um, and we'll continue you know how that impacted him in the moment and, and things like that and we weren't talking about why so as i was doing that taking a more trying to help what i perceived as will's area of the business the more sales side and try and do things in that area i was getting more frustrated and, and also again reflecting on you know the business wasn't doing great at the time and feeling it my fault because i was taking on more and not being successful again um and i felt you know kind of alone and unsupported i think and I don't know, I can't remember how I got to that with Claire that night, but then I said to Will, I messaged Will and said, can we just have a catch-up? I lied about something else, didn't I? I said the budgets or something like that. I said, can we meet in a car? Because <laughs> he was out and said, meet, meet um, and have a coffee. And I think that I just started the conversation about how I felt. I didn't even talk about why. I just said, I've, I feel really lonely. I think I probably cried, Eleanor, so you'd be happy about me. I definitely cried. Um, I'm you weren't sleeping. Is it you, is it you? I think you just laid the cards on the table, didn't you? I'm not sleeping. I feel really lonely. I need some help um yeah and it, it was it was very powerful um because as soon as he said it i knew exactly what he meant and if i actually know what i said actually when he said it to me i said to him you need more help from me yeah you finished that was, that, was, that was the first thing i said because i knew what he meant and he was right um and he he hadn't said you're not doing this he just said i feel i'm not sleeping i feel really stressed um and as i well, you need more help from me and then we then we got in, into the into the conversation about it and this is where we kind of talk about the false narratives is that i'd been telling myself that joel enjoyed that that he wanted the control for want of a better word he wanted to be getting involved in the different areas and, and and having his impact on it 
and that that's what he wanted his role to, in the business to be. And it made me feel like my role was shrinking and getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was having less and less impact. So I told myself this story that that's what he wanted. And obviously it was bullshit. It was, it was, it was so damaging that I told myself this story for so long. And Joel's story that he was telling himself was that I didn't care anymore which again, it's, it's like when, when, you, when you start to actually unpick it and you talk about it and you understand the reality, neither of those things, what I was telling myself about Joel and what Joel was telling himself about me, neither of those things could be, could be further from the truth. It's just a tale of, of, of poor communication that if we'd had this conversation that is difficult, but Joel did find this way of doing it, if we'd had that conversation three years earlier, you know, it would have been, it would have been great, but we didn't. So we had this conversation um, and, um, you know, I think it certainly felt like a weight off my shoulders immediately. Um, I think it did, did with Joel. We were able to be just really honest with, with, with each other. Um, and, and just it, it, but in a non-judgmental and not accusatory way. That's, that was the key to it, I think. Isn't it? This, is, this is why I'm so thankful to Joel for doing it and, and coming up with this way and, and, and being able to have that emotional intelligence to tackle it in this way because if he'd come to me and said look you're not doing this it's not it's not on I would have immediately thought well what about you're not doing this why do you and it would have been an argument it would have been a confrontation it would have made things worse um so I think just being able to have that conversation in that way um just made made all the difference and then fr from there we were able to start talking about okay well if it's not working for you how do we make it work for you um and we we're able to kind of move on from that nice so a quick, a quick question before we go to the next step is you there's an instinct for you joel to do that rather than wade in and start accusing uh, will of not pulling his way you actually felt no I, i'm gonna have to do it this way i'm gonna have to say where i'm coming from Did, was that just something in you, the way you are, or was it something that I don't know? Had you read something? Had you, you know, what was it that allowed you to be that vulnerable? I think, well, I think that because Will and I both known that there was something not quite right for a while. I think, I've, well, I've been doing not a lot of research or learning, but um, I've certainly been, well, as an individual, trying to grow personally and and look around, you know, learn around, you know, listening to Brené Brown, right? All the basic things that people do, you know, when you when you when you're just starting out, but kind of that kind of thing around vulnerability, and, and so I was certainly aware of it. It wasn't at the forefront of my mind, and I think talking through with with Claire, my wife, she's incredibly emotionally intelligent, uh, much more than me, and um, I feel guided by that. And and having that conversation was, was yeah, with her, was actually, she, she teased it out of me by talking to somebody else, actually. That's what happened. I talked to somebody else about it um, and, and and let it out slowly and we discussed it and, and talked about feelings around it and, and that's how it kind of came out. And had I not had that conversation, had I just, and I nearly didn't. I remember standing in the kitchen and I kind of, you know, one of those things is like, mm, just go to bed now, bury this and not deal with it or maybe I'll deal with it in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I just spat it out. Oh, I need to speak to Will tomorrow about something. He did something that bothered me, and then and then it just came out. And once we talked it through, it was clear that the conversation was to, about us as individuals. I don't know because just just yeah. So I wouldn't yeah, Claire basically. I suppose yeah. There you go. <laughs> I also say there's a test. You know, 
going back to what we said at the beginning about this idea of going into business with friends and what's essentially what's the benefits, friends with benefits. Um, <laughs> this is a testament to your friendship. I think not only in the way that you approached it, uh, Joel, but also in the way Will reacted. Again, it it was rather than, oh, my God, you know, don't lay these problems on me. Like, how can I help? And then it feels like the next step was to how to skillfully navigate. Now that there's this awareness, right, that's the problem. The solution is something, well, you needed to find a solution in a different way. Um, and what I think I was, I was just curious about, then how did you come across us? And what was it that drifted, you know, the the you felt that this might be of help by joining something like a 2020 vision program, which was about making effortless impact and building digital products. <laughs> and turned into, yeah, something that you thought you two could maybe join us on. I, I don't think we'd had the conversation when we first signed up, have we, I think it kind of came almost simultaneously, but I think the idea or the discussion around, I can't, I can't remember the exact timing. It wasn't a, we've got this problem, let's this solution. I think we started talking about it a little bit before we actually got to the main bit but I mean obviously I know you through Claire who worked worked with you guys and um I've got fed some of your marketing about this uh, this thing is this your sales pitch now by the way do you, do you really not shut up now um, be closing <laughs> um and and it was about clarity actually I think that's the thing your your course was all about clarity and I know we didn't fit the mold but I, I just felt that it sounded interesting and that we weren't quite sure where we were or what the big issue was yet. And I actually sent it to Will and said, look at this, what do you think? And he immediately said, yeah, that looks great. I was like, okay, that, you know, again, something that didn't necessarily fit, but I think we were searching for answers um, and and what you guys were doing and how you were approaching things. I don't, we definitely didn't know the, what exactly what the problem was. I think when we started talking to you guys, but it just felt like we needed something, yeah, to expand and, and be pushed, maybe be, challenged and pushed in a, in a way where other people would help us do that. I think that, um, yeah, yeah, was, we needed help. We needed support in, in a different way. And, and yeah, I think that I was ready to be, yeah, you know, completely <laughs> um, opened up and challenged and look, look deeper inside, which I think your, your course talked about looking around the, the, the yourself first and then the business, building your business around that. And I think that's what attracted me to it was the, and I think when we started working with you guys on the course, it was that first bit of forget the business, forget that, forget what, forget everything. Now let's just look at you as individuals, and then we'll come back to that later. And I think that's that's what drew me to it in the first place. I don't know about Will. Yeah, well, I think you, the thing I'll pick up on there, which is absolutely right, is that that conversation that we had in in the in the cafe when Joel summoned me to the cafe. <laughs> um, the, the conversation that we that we had there. Essentially, the conversation was just us agreeing that there was a problem. Uh, it wasn't us agreeing on what the problem was. It was just us agreeing there's an issue here. And then from that from that point forward, it was, right, well, we need to find out what the problem is. And then when, what we, when we found out what it is, then we can try and solve it. So I think we, we were like, right, well, we need to start thinking about this in a bit more, in a bit more depth. Um, and we need to start really thinking about what we want as as individuals now because you know again this false harmony thing we probably both had um said we wanted things over the years that we didn't really um so it's about right let's get into what we actually want to get out of this and i think when, when we when we looked at, at your course and some of the, the modules that are on there um it was particularly the stuff around 
the your, the personal needs, which is I've never done anything like that in my life before. I don't, I don't think Joel had had either. Um, and so we looked at that and it was like, this looks really, really helpful. Um, obviously, you guys, you know, we had great recommendation from you guys, from from Claire, who you guys obviously worked with before. Um, so we're like, well, let's let's give it a go and see if and see if this moves us forward. And it did. I've got my um, little happy startup notebook here, uh, which you guys sent us through at the start. Um, and you know, it it was an amazing thing actually to to go through that looking into what fires you up you know what makes you feel great about getting out of bed in the morning what makes you really want to go out and attack the day and what makes you want to just pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep and it's it, i think most people never in their life even consider that um you know hopefully you know we're moving into a world now where people do think about these things a bit more but um I could easily have gone through my whole life without without ever considering that. And so I think go, going into this course and, and looking at the, those things were amazing. It was absolutely eye-opening, um, finding out things about yourself that you didn't really know, um, and then being able to discuss it with your best friend in a way that you, 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 know, you can both try and um, find out what's going to work for you. Just perfect, really. Um, I think hopefully this is for anyone listening to this, this is kind of going to the crux of this idea of going into business with someone. Um, at the In the end, if you're going to, whatever tactics or strategies you need to execute, if there's no communication, if there's no trust, if there's no seeing the other person, I understand the way I see it, is then you're not going to execute properly because you're going to be doing the wrong things for the wrong outcome. Um and so it feels like you you both you've been both open, which is I think the other thing that I think is a testament to both of you. Been open to trying something different, open to exploring something that people a lot of people would run away from, and also making it your own. I think that's that seemed to be an interesting part of what I've seen in your journey. Like we've got this pro, this process, this journey that we take people on, but you've taken those bits and applied it to your business and and your relationship and the way you want to work. And I think what I'm trying to get to is like one of the exercises we have is writing a love letter to your customer. And so uh, you had an interesting take on, or we had an interesting take on that, and but you, you embraced it and maybe well, you can share a bit more about that. I think we've got Vicks to thank for that, haven't we? Yeah. Vicks, yeah. Vicks, idea. Vicks was in uh, Will's, Will's group. <laughs> My um, I I forgot my charger. I was about to run out, so uh, I plugged in that. Um, I told you I'm not one for details. Um, what what was the um? Was uh, yeah, no, it was Vix who who kind of like, kind of proposed the pivot from writing a love letter to your customer. Yeah, that was amazing. So as part of the course for people listening who who, who aren't aware. We have a weekly um, catch-up call where we talk through what we were working on and, and just get some ideas, both from um, uh, well, my group was Carlos and uh, you know, also the other people on the group. And um, yeah, so Vix suggested instead of doing this love letter to the clients, which we we subsequently done that exercise and it's amazing. 
But instead, she said, instead of doing it, why don't you and Joel write a love letter to each other? And it was, you know, a great idea. And we did it. And it was, it was such a reading the letter and writing the letter actually were, were such joyful times. Just taking the opportunity to look back through the last 22 or three years, whatever it's been, think about all the fun times, you know, what you think is great about that other person um, and just writing it down and, and, and sending it over was great. And then reading it as well, you know, all, all the things to, you know, to, to find out what somebody you know really thinks about you and really likes about you is, it's a lovely thing. So, you know, that, that I think from the minute that that happened and we read those things changed again, I think the things just went up another level after that. Um, and it's, a, it's, I think you mentioned this yesterday when we were talking, Carlos, it's a, a really strange thing to think that when you've known somebody for 23, 24 years, that even after all of that time, you can find a way of communicating that takes you up a level. Mm. It's like, you, how is that possible that, that, that we're, that we're so that we communicate so badly that after 25 years of knowing somebody, you can find something else and another way of take, taking it up. So um, that was just a, a very, very powerful thing that we, that we did for me personally. I absolutely loved it. So I still you know, read the, the letter every so often and now. Um, so yeah, it was great. I think the letter was, cause we'd done the course just to be, to the course we did with you we've done individually haven't we and then we come back together you'd agree to help us do the course individually come back together and discuss it and i think we did that and we progressed individually we then shared what we were doing with you guys and you helped us navigate then i think certainly will felt at the start well okay that's great we've got our needs but they don't match so how on earth do you then come back to make it match for the business and there were some challenges around that and then you helped us get there and then there was a okay well there's still tricky bits to navigate here as you know a step step forward like a little step back and a step forward a step forward so it wasn't just a smooth oh that's it we've done it right the feelings we, we know each other's feelings and needs that's great off we go and, and i think what it came back to when we were working with you guys was friendship had to remain at the center of anything that we were going to do and that had to be protected that was that was i think carlos you said right that's kind of, that's what i'm hearing here is friendship comes first and then from that you know we'll work we'll work the rest out around it and it was, you know, we we started talking about different ways of, of dealing with um, what we were going to do going forward. And actually, it was then when Vix mentioned that to Will, of like that that letter was what centred the friendship. And then I think Will came back and said, I was talking about um, taking a step back from the business a bit more in terms of time. And you know, immediately said, you can, you know, let you know, let's not talk about money. You can have the time no matter what. I'm like, well, no, of course we can. You know, it has to be fair that way as well. But again, it just changed our mindset around our discussions. And, and that's what we wouldn't. That's what we needed. That's what we wanted. We just couldn't work out how to do it. And that letter just centered the friendship, bang in the middle. There it is. That's the thing that matters. And actually, if you go back to all of this journey, the whole thing we've been talking about, going to business with your friend, friendship was part of the issue because we we did false harmony. But friendship was the only thing that re, that resolved it as well. And that, you know that there was that was the you know. I don't know if you want to just sign off there, Carlos. That perfect ending. Um, but that that but that it really was. You know, actually having that friendship, centering that that. That was the only way through this, um, for us anyway. Um, and that was the thing that kind of, yeah, brought it all back full circle and, and has now given us 
huge energy and drive um, to re, you know, be reinvigorated with the business and we're putting all of our learnings back into the business as well and it feels yeah, hugely exciting. I haven't felt this excited for a long time. It, it was quite difficult, wasn't it, that process, Job? When, when, we, when we were going through that, that, that kind of three or four months period of trying to work out what we both wanted and how, and how we could get that in a way that worked for both of us and retain, retain the friendship. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was difficult. Um, and, you know, we, we had to communicate well and openly and, and the facilitation from, from um, you know, you guys, Carlos and Lawrence, was, was unbelievably helpful. Um, but I think because we had that thing of, right, right the number one priority is trying to find a solution and ensuring we stay friends and keep working at it, you know, there were days when you think, oh, we're, we're, we're just not going to do this. Um, and then you'd come back to it and you try again, try again. You're like, right, we're onto something here. And, you know, a few more weeks go past, right, you know, getting better. And, and it just, it happened over the course of, of a long time. It was difficult. Um, but because we had that trust that we've, you know, that we've developed over the years and because we had found this, you know, better way of communicating, um, we were able to we were able to get through that and come up with a a solution that that is energized both of us gives us both what we need both what we want um, and just made us feel you know the, both of us the best we felt about the business and probably life for years I think just one small point on that is because we were able to say things that were difficult in those commun- in, when we're communicating so I think at one point I said to you will we have to acknowledge that maybe, one of us doesn't one of us leaves the business yeah and being able to put that out there and saying that being scared of that and saying we're scared of that and but maybe that is an option if, if it means that our needs are met for both parties that that a bit the ability to have that conversation without it bringing any tension in or any stress to the situation was, was really important to moving moving forward mm-hmm. so i think again it's just yeah you're right the, the, the clarity of communication and the vulnerability and the ability to that that is really important that's awesome guys i think what that that gives me is is a a lovely balance of possibility of what you can do when you kind of dig deep and put friends and family at the center of what you're doing um but also giving that pragmatic aspect to it is like isn't this isn't a silver bullet it isn't like you just read a manual and suddenly you're kind of super connected with your co-founder there's there's some work to be done and some honesty that that's needed um now, before we go, Lawrence, did you have any other thoughts or reflections from, from this, you know, lovely story that we're hearing from, from Joel? Mm. No, just it's been a privilege, really. I think can't believe it's only ten months since we met you guys and started working together. Um, I think, I think, um, well, it's kind of brought back memories of our own journey. Certainly, transitioning to starting the Happy Startup School and the challenges of that, and like you said, trying to navigate kids and business and friendship and yeah knowing that you're not alone in that journey is nice uh, i found it really powerful to see these guys open up you know that's been really rewarding to see it's just that relationship that's always been there just like you said taking it on another level and that not to be at the cost of their own at the cost of the business um it might just be worth finalizing or finishing with like what what the business looks like for you both going forward in terms of yeah how you've got to this point and what that looks like individually and collectively because we're still you're not done yet obviously you're never done with this stuff <laughs> no. you want to go first will 
No, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, Lawrence, just what do you want to know? Well, I guess it's like what what the res resolution was because you know you've got to this point, yeah. you're excited, but like what that actually looks like for you both individually and, and maybe for the business as well. Yeah, so I think when you when you go back to the, the working out your needs, that was inside and outside of work, which I think was important. Which somebody, you know, what what drives you when you're actually at work? What do you get energy from, etc.? Hell yes, hell no, this, etc. Then also outside, what do you want uh, for your family and for your life? And I think that um, it came you know, for me. My mine was all around. Oh, my large part of the drivers was around um, equality and having you know, balance outside of work, particularly for Claire to have her opportunity to do her thing. So that's the reason I wanted to uh, free up more time so that I could then uh, be more involved with family and have family time, etc. as well. But I wanted that balance, whereas 50-50 in pretty much everything we do. Um, and so that, that was my, my, one of my big drivers. There are other things, but that was the main one. So um, moving forward, I've been able to reduce my time in the business as of last week to two days a week, but I'm still fully committed. In fact, probably more committed than I have been for the last three years. But um, and yeah, so that, that, that was what, uh, where, it, where it sits for me and then in terms of responsibilities actually it's redefined where we probably were six years ago that I work much more internally with the team on staff fulfillment and those areas something that I feel really passionately about I'm not saying Will doesn't but it fits um, where, where uh, my needs and what I want to achieve and the type of business I want to have and now we're working with you guys also kind of on the vision and the purpose again and bringing these these ideas and these thoughts and our own um, um, feelings about what we want the business to be back into it so i think that's really opened up um the next stage of the journey but as you say lawrence there's a lot still to be done and this for will and i this is a, we're calling it a six-month trial and experiment as well just to see but again not trying to you know say this is how it is and this is what it has to be to keep that communication open to keep that um ability to say right how's it for you what's going what's not so good what's the, you know how's it working i think that again one thing that you asked us to do which we we, we haven't finalized yet was didn't ask us to do was suggested was that have a um just a four bullet points or five bullet points of, of between me and will and i almost another agreement this is what we do this is what and actually when we're working with andrew and russ our other uh, some other mentors you know they use the phrase you're formidable when you do this so i'm calling it the formidable list and, and that's the thing that you know when we check in with each other on feelings when we you know etc etc so that having that there almost like as a mini mini guide for will and i so that we never slip back to where we were before it's very easy saying that it's there but actually having it uh, is really important for us moving forward so yeah that's kind of how i see the future of the business and where we are at the moment and individually well, you will. um yeah so i mean my, my um my motivations and my needs are more around the business um, so for, for me personally to feel happy, um, I really need to feel like I'm um, progressing forward through my life. And a lot of that, I feel very attached. I attach a lot of that to the business. I mean, I might go and see a psychologist and they tell me that that's very unhealthy. But um, for the moment, that's how I feel that um, I get a lot of my own self-validation through how the business performs and um feeling like you know I, I own and run a business that that is successful that does the right thing um that oper operates in a way that i'm very proud of um i've got a lot of energy to do that and and i don't feel like i want to step away I, I, i'm i'm more than happy to put a lot of my time into that um so you know for me it's it's more about kind of pushing on on with the company and 
really seeing where we can where we can take it and just to make something incredible um and the the other great thing that i think has come from this is that um that feeling that i am able to help joel live the life he really wants to live and i know joel said it to me as well that he is able to help and support me in the life i really want to live and that's an amazing thing Mm. Um, to feel like we, we've we've come up with a solution where the business is getting the best of us, our families are getting the best of us, um, and that we are just hopefully going to be able to live this life that we that we really want to live. Um, so, like Joel said, there's a there's a long way still to go on it yet. Um, you know, we 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 still have to um, do a lot of work, and we have to make sure that it, that it works. But you know, I think the we, we feel you know, a million times better. I can see Chris, one of you know our associate operations directors on the call, and he's just said that um, the change has been ins- inspiring and the energy that's been brought to work has been infectious. And that's an amazing thing to hear. Mm. Uh, that's what we, that's what, what we want to have that impact on, on other people and to create a business like that. And to be able to have what we want in our private lives is it feels like it's the golden ticket. So, you know, we just have to keep working hard to make sure it is. Chris is now getting a pay rise. <laughs> Chris nearly made me cry then. Will, that was that was epic. That um, gave me goosebumps hearing that. Say that. Cool. Now, I, I think this is you know why we love working with you and we love working with you now is that it just aligns with this idea. I think there's a phrase that um, I've been hearing recently, the business of business is business. I think where we're having here is the business of business is life. It's like you guys are creating this business because you all want to have the best lives you can and whatever that means to each other. So I'm super privileged. Yeah. Lawrence is to, to be part of this journey. And to, I think the other aspect for us, from mine and Lawrence's perspective, I believe is like, at least we know there's other people out there who think like this. <laughs> that's, that's if anything, that's the purpose of this, this, show this what we talk about here particularly this um, episode is that if you're out there thinking you're lost that oh my god i just need to get an org chart together my business would be brilliant i think hopefully this will open your eyes up to another way of looking at okay how what is my energy like what is i really want from this how is this serving me and it's okay because other people are trying this out as well um Mm. and you're you'll be in good company and also for me, I think realization we did a chat with you yesterday. I've found is that these things can coexist at the same time. You know, you can have maybe different views on what you want, and the business still um, benefit from that, like you said, Will. So I see Joel more on the people side, and the you know getting a buzz from that, and Will from the growth and the expansion of the business, and those things. Yeah, basically helping the business, not not pulling them in different directions. Mm-hmm. That's great. No, well, thank you very much. I think the what what I think hopefully one of the things that this is going to communicate to people here is that um, you know we're always trying to find answers to how to make our businesses successful or work better or more effective. And I think the only way you can find the good answers is to ask the good questions. And what I think you guys have been doing is like you've been exploring what is the real question we're answering. You know, you, I think Will, you said something. Finding out what is the problem, what is the thing that we're trying to tackle, what's the thing that we need to be aware of in order to get the right solution. 
so that you get to this place where you actually clear about what needs to be done. So um, I'll, I'll just say it's not just asking the good questions, it's answering them honestly yeah. as well. Because you can ask a good question, but and but if the person you're asking it to or you yourself don't actually answer it honestly and authentically to how you feel, then it's it's useless. So you know you have to, you know, the biggest piece of advice that I've that I would give and that I've learned from this is that false harmony is an absolute killer. If you do not say tell the truth, if you do not if you're not honest about what motivates you and, and what you want, um in a non judge it doesn't have to be judgmental or accusatory, but if you're not, then you're dead. Mm. Nice. Any last words, Joel? No. <laughs> no, I just think actually reflecting working with you guys has been amazing and thank you. And you know, immediately we felt connection with you guys. I think working with you guys, you know, knowing that you're in a similar situation, I've been through similar things as well, gave us confidence to explore things with with, with you that um, we might not have otherwise found from from somebody else. So no, it's been amazing. I think, as Will said, you know, we've got lots to do still. And just reflecting on what Will just said, then even yesterday in our meeting with you guys, Will didn't want to say something because he thought it might make me feel a certain way, and he did say it. So even now, that just shows how there's still so much still to do and you've got to keep working at it, you've got to keep reminding yourself. And uh, yeah, no, it's been amazing and I look forward to the next uh, 10 years. <laughs> cool. Well, well, thanks everyone for sticking with us. Um, any last ones, Charles? No, I just think they win the prize for the longest fireside. So yeah. They don't late enough for Ellen to come and heckle us. <laughs> well, thank you everyone sorry if we didn't uh, weren't able to answer all of your questions directly but i'm hoping that there's something there that you can take away and, and is of use so uh have a great weekend thank you both thank you, everyone. and um yeah, next week thank you very take much. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?